0: Welcome to another episode of For the Water Cooler, the show where you get to talk with your favorite co-workers about what you've been watching. I'm Matt Scalise. Joining me, my good friend Caroline Darney. And Caroline, just before we started recording here, <laughs> we were just talking about how nothing makes sense anymore and we're sort of like spiraling into the abyss.
1: And yeah. All of it. Welcome all, to For the Water Cooler, folks. <laughs> and my theory,
0: yeah, that's right. My theory is that because our brains are so fragile, that moving the clock one hour is basically, we cannot, it takes us weeks to recover How, from it.
1: It makes no sense. So I went to bed at 8 30, like not even like got in bed at 8 30 and then messed around on my phone for, I got in bed at seven something.
0: Like, see, I'm doing, and I'm doing the opposite. Like, I'm, I am waking up too early.
1: I did and, that too, though. And
0: then I am also not getting tired until like 1 a.m.
1: And it's just, that.
0: it's all, it's all wrong.
1: It's a mess. And I was telling again, right before we started recording, if I sound funny or if I do any sniffles today, it's uh, my allergies have been Worse oh, than I've ever experienced in the last two days. Oh, my allergies. <laughs> no, I just, like to I, the point. Yesterday morning, I took a COVID test just to be like, it can't be because yeah. it's just like this weird. It's all in my sinuses. I've never been more aware of my sinuses ever <laughs> in my life, and I'm it's so just—it's just been like a constant. I don't even know if calling it a dull pain. I don't know. I'd give it like a six or seven on the one to 10 thing, whatever. And it's constant unless I have like, if, unless I'm keeping up with the allergy medicine and the ibuprofen, it is brutal. And so it's just like that has been, because the weather in Virginia has gone, it's going to be 78 here today.
0: Oh yeah. We're, we're in that zone where it's like, it's like close to 80 during the day and it's in the forties at night. And it's, and it's, it is a total, I mean, it really, I know it's been on our mind because we were talking about it a few weeks ago, but like, I really do feel like this time of year is very similar to Over the Garden Wall, the show we talked about, where it's just like, you're just wandering around and nothing makes sense. You see like a talking frog come out. And you're like, fine, whatever. Yeah, sure. sure. But no, I mean, it's. I, I I am, uh, I, we're, we're all holding it together the best we can.
1: Like, it's, and I uh, love it when it's cold. I, I'm fine. Like get rid of the seventies. I'm yeah, fine. We're not there yet. We're not there I yet. I gotta keep my, I had to close my windows and turn my AC back on today. Do you know how, how much I hate doing that? I, once I get my windows open, I even blew my candle out. Cause I was like, you know what? Seventies don't deserve my balsam fur candle no we
0: gotta look we gotta save those fall candles yeah i was like
1: this is this is this is terrible coziness this is tr- yeah. i got like I, can't, I gotta save these i can't pumpkin spice it when it's 78 out that's nonsense
0: i've got i've got, I've got one back here over my over my right shoulder called cozy nights and we're oh, like, love that she's not getting lit until it's until it's actually cold until i need to wear socks in my house
1: yeah, anytime that there's a con like a a mix and match for words that you can put together to make like I know it's going to be a banger candle and <laughs> like cozy fall spice fireplace Fire- yeah <laughs> I have one that's called orchard Snuggly sweater it's one oh, of my favorites great makes no sense as the name of a scent but it smells amazing I've got yeah. like the autumn night ones whatever i'm like yes autumn, absolutely
0: autumn, autumn night sounds like a like a cover band of uh <laughs> <laughs> was the, was the, the cranberries or something you know
1: <laughs> <laughs> they d- only do 90s like that's grunge right covers they do, they
0: do the they, they it's a singer-songwriter <laughs> grunge cover band yeah. um do you so, have
1: to let it linger that's it's
0: just 100 percent <laughs> the song i was thinking of when yeah, i made the absolutely. joke thank you do you have to do you have to <laughs> Great um well Caroline there's there's our our um confusion and discombobulation in the world are is not unique to us right now and another group of people who it's are feeling right, Thank you. <laughs> another group that's really feeling that right now is Marvel Studios and we've sort of talked about this a fair amount in sort of speculative ways mm-hmm. and we have different opinions and they change every week but a, a story came out in Variety last week uh really right as we were recording that is about a lot of the things that have been going on behind the scenes at marvel studios and to be fair uh it's always important that you remember that any story that comes out especially stuff that comes out of entertainment uh reporting no knock to them but like it's very very um access driven and it's mm. very much about trying to maintain relationships with important people but that said the story talks a lot about some of the things that have been going wrong at marvel studios and i i would say a couple of the highlights of it they do talk about some sort of disconnects between the creative side and the executive side and that this is yeah. something that we've that we've noted, I think, and, and, and commented on, but they talk about some of that issues going on with the Blade movie. They said that took a number of different kind of iterations of the script until they got everybody feeling good about it and getting on board. Um, even with the Marvels, which is coming out very soon, they said there were some issues with the director, Nia DaCosta, um, leaving the set at certain points to go work on another movie So I had
1: heard that was mischaracterized. uh, Yes. That that where it was, it was in like post-production and it was already something that was like, I don't know enough about the process. I think I saw, I wish I remember where I saw that. Actually. Is it a tweet where she responded to it, where she was like.
0: She did, yes. Um, She was
1: like, I wasn't leaving the middle of filming to go do another project. Right,
0: and it's also important that people remember that that's a lot of this comes down to the way that that big movies for studios, the big franchise IP yeah. movies are made now, which is that these are not little um, writer director driven projects yeah. that a single creative voice is working on. And and I would say overall the vibe of this story is that for a number of years the the process that Marvel used was we're gonna we're gonna get the basics together, we're gonna go out there and start making the movie. And we will change things along the way and we'll make it work. Yeah. Sometimes even after we've already shot everything. Yeah. Um, and I think where the concern is, is that because, because of the volume of stuff Marvel is now making, that's becoming increasingly difficult to do. Kevin Feige cannot simply step in and fix every problem and right. come up with easy solutions to everything because they're simply too much stuff yeah. being made all at once. Here's
1: a question I have for you cuz I wasn't fully as plugged in during like phase 2 or 3 as I am now. Did they announce this many projects? Like did we know Infinity War and Endgame were going to be called? Like you know I mean no I mean like so we know all the way through like phase 6 or 7 whatever it is. I think that's where they made the biggest fumble publicly. In my and this is just like my humble opinion is the fact that by lining up and announcing when you want to do all Mm -hmm. of these movies and all of these projects and all of these shows and what their titles are, you corner yourself in there's no escape hatch. So so if there's any change to it, like with blade and blade has been such a disappointment in the sense that having Ali attached to it, who's incredible. You get the snippet of his voice at the end of eternals. It's a, it's an IP that we've seen done and I think done pretty well. Yep. I, I think most people like it. I people like the, like the blade movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. They just announced that it's going to be rated R. I think that's huge for it. And we can talk about the trailer for echo and that it's TVMA and that they literally show someone getting like killed in the trailer. Like they're trying to be like, look, we're going to be gritty still. Like it's fine. <laughs> right. You know, and treat. And those are a lot of like question marks, but blade has had every possible bad
2: Stuff coming out that you
1: can imagine minus lawsuits or like, you know, the type of thing that they have going on with Jonathan Majors right now, which is again, that's, that's
0: that's another part of the story for sure. And you
1: corner yourself with the, and
0: so Caroline, (sighs) this is a great point that you bring up and, and it's not something that's talked about in the story. And I actually think it's a pretty big motivator to what's going on. So, so let's go back to 2015, I guess.
1: Yeah, uh, when did
0: when did Age of Ultron come out?
1: Well, I should know that. We're doing this movie on uh big screen. On, on big screen sports. It's no Avenger, folks.
0: So, I think it's 2015 and and up to this point there had been press releases announcing movies, very normal build up to the the Avengers related movies. It was like
1: sign-ons for X number of Avengers movies, sure. right? Am I remembering and, that correctly? And what happened? Like,
0: right. What yeah. happened after this? What happened after age of Ultron, which was 2015. I just looked it It was 2015. Here. Okay. Um, you know, really at that point, it was very clear that the MCU was a successful, um, yeah. experiment and was a becoming a phenomenon that people were really into. And it also was clear that they were building towards a big story because we'd seen the infinity stones and Thanos. And what happened was at, uh, San Diego comic-con the following summer, uh, Kevin Feige held this big special event that had never been done before by right. any of these movie studios, yeah. and you've you've probably seen video of it before. But this was this at the time this was a very unique event. Marvel had their uh, basically all the stars of the franchise and Kevin Feige standing on stage, and they put up this big graphic that was a timeline.
1: Yes, this for Phase remember. Three. Yes,
0: and they they one at a time walked out all of the movie titles that were coming out, all the way up to what at the time was called uh, Avengers Infinity War. And it was one movie.
1: Yeah,
0: um, I It was part one and part two, maybe. And so, look, this event was a, a new thing to do to announce movies, but it was a massive success. And it got yeah. the fans so fired up. And I personally think... That Kevin Feige and the people that worked at, Mo- at Marvel got such a huge charge out of this event that they were like, "This is how we have to do it from now on," and they yeah. did. That's that's exactly what they did after Phase Three, going into the next stuff. Um, but they
1: did too many at once, didn't they? Didn't they, they did not they do four, five, and six they, for the multiverse saga? They did. So, all,
0: so all once we got to post, uh, I, I think I think it was announced actually just before. COVID. I'm, tr- I'm trying to remember the timeline yeah. of the new one.
1: That sounds right because they announced it before I know that this is where I, I also will give some like leeway to something like Falcon and the Winter Soldier because that was announced and written and mm-hmm. ready to produce before COVID, which is why they had to change the whole like plot line around a virus being like the main villains, or like what, what the main plot line was, is a virus being released, and you right. cannot put that out during COVID. Like sure. obviously, like they had to change things. I, and so, just for for people who aren't quite up on all of it, or whatever. So, as you said, Age of Ultron. Th- this is Phase Three, though, and this is where like, and again, I actually probably like a lot of the Phase Four movies better than other people. But um, Phase Three was Civil War right? Doctor Strange, Guardians 2, Homecoming, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Endgame, and Far From Home.
0: And it was a huge, I, I cannot stress enough to people who were not paying attention at the time, this yeah. this event, people lost their minds when this event yeah. happened. And I really think that the, the success of it actually did drive a lot of the mistakes. Maybe let's say that they made later. I, I think yeah. they got so determined that like, this is absolutely the way we do this from now on. Um, even if we don't have a great plan, like we just have to announce the plan because that's actually what gets people invested. Yeah. Um, and, and look, I think it's, it's probably was true for phase three that that happened. I think that it needed to work differently. I think probably they made, the classic mistake of thinking that because something worked once, um, that it's going to we can keep hitting the button over and over again, and it's going to keep working. And well, we don't and we don't need to change our approach. Um, they, what with we, the I times. think is
1: also lost and is important to mention is that when you get into phase four, um, you've kind of gone through "quote unquote" the popular you you anchored Absolutely. the Infinity Saga on iron man captain america and thor in the hulk in some sense but like that movie was terrible and and wow and he didn't go away like he's still around but now and i loved loved
0: shang chi loved it um, I, li- I, I liked it a lot too and I, I i you know i think you're right that
1: you're just looking i, I the- mean
0: when you look at who what what
1: movies came out right you're mm-hmm. now anchored with Um, you have Shang-Chi being introduced, you have a Black Widow that was released at entirely the wrong time, but actually I think it's a pretty fun movie that just doesn't fit where it's released. Um, you've got Black Panther that now no longer has the incredible charismatic lead that you were going to focus the entire back half around. You've got no Iron Man, you got, and so you're looking at, and I actually like, you've got Wanda... Which, if you didn't watch the show, you might not have any sort of connection to Wanda. Because sure. I really loved Wanda after watching WandaVision. <laughs> like, well, I, going into it, I was like, eh, whatever. And coming out of it, it was like, I would walk into traffic
0: for her. She I slapped. think they, I think they got a little overconfident because of the fact yeah. that the truth is, before they made the original, the, the first few phases of the Avengers movies nobody in America cared about Iron Man or Captain America yeah. or Black Widow or any of those guys or Thor. They, they were, they were not super big names in the, like they were not household names in American pop culture. I don't think I, not a
1: ton. No, Spider-Man
0: I mean, was, um, yeah. but, but they, these were not Batman Superman type characters. These were right. characters that your mom has never heard of is what I would say. And, yeah. Now they are. And, and that's part of, uh, that's part of where it seems like there's some speculation going is, is Marvel going to try to find some way to bring those original characters back into the fold, whether it's paying an ungodly amount of money to Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans for them to come back somehow or recasting them and doing some kind of reboot situation, um, It's it's very. I would say there's not a conclusion in this article. There is a that there is an. We are left with the impression that Marvel is very much up in the air about trying to figure out what to do now, and um, a lot of it is going to hinge on. I think the next movie that and and this will I'll transition us into the next thing we wanted to talk about. Um, I want to get into some November releases that we're Mm -hmm. excited about. And I know that the Marvels is one that we're both excited about. Going Thursday. I'm definitely going this weekend. I'm taking my kids. Uh, But, you know, I think there's a lot of uncertainty about how this movie is going to do. And that has nothing, whatever people will say, that doesn't really have anything to do with the quality of the movie. I, I think that there are many reasons why this movie may not be super successful this weekend and um some of it is people are burned out on marvel some of it is i think that there there is a i want to be careful about how i say this there's a portion of the superhero movie fan base who are Mm -hmm. usually always there opening day who for various reasons have always had it out for brie larson and yeah. do they do not like her in a in a way that like it's Very hard
1: personal to, kind of way. Oh,
0: yeah. Like they viscerally do not like this woman. And you and I are obviously both huge fans. We've, we like her as Captain Marvel, but yeah. we also are watching her TV show where yeah. I think she's fantastic. She this is an Oscar winning actress. She's <laughs> been in some of the most fun projects of the past 10 years. But there is a group of. I would say, I don't know how big a percentage they are. Yeah. But a a big chunk of them.
1: On like social media. For sure. And and this is the thing that having, because Guardians Guardians 3 is a hard one to like fit in and kind of whatever. Because it's coming off of a fizzle with quantum mania. You've got whatever, you know, like I I haven't gone back and watched um, Wakanda forever. Mostly because my emotions can't take it. Yeah. but you've had a couple either really emotional movies like Guardians 3 or ones that, you know, it's just hard. Like if there was a with MCU and quote unquote turmoil,
0: yeah, mm-hmm.
1: the studio, I'm sure, would love to have a Spider-Man movie
0: coming out right now. Not and it is being and it is being worked on. There's a lot of reports. Not,
1: that, that, I just mean that in a sense, yeah. like or you know maybe a, I don't even know. But
0: well, you're whatever. talking about right now, right now, right this, now, is, right now. Like but, if, the,
1: if with all the news that's happening, they'd love to have like an X-Men uh, dropping. Not, for sure,
0: but but what's funny has
1: been attacked and review bombed across not just from. Yeah. Captain Marvel standpoint, but from Ms. Marvel standpoint, which if you didn't watch that show, I thought it was a delight. And I love she it. She is a doll. And I, I so think like, there's, that's where I get so mad is like it's going to get yeah. review bombed, and there are going to be some people that will have legitimate claims as to whether or not they liked or didn't like this movie. So, that's not at all what the problem is. Like you can like and dislike movies. I get that.
0: No, but there anyway, are. There I'm are, excited. I would say there are like philosophical reasons why people, or yeah. we could say political reasons, maybe, yes, why people don't. Yeah want this movie to do well. Yeah. I hope, I hope that it surprises us and I hope that it does better than we're expecting. I hope that some of the people who showed up for Barbie and for era's tour and who have been making this the, the year of the ladies at the movies yeah, show up for this movie. Um, I'm
1: excited. I'm excited for it. I'm also excited this week um, for all mankind uh, comes back with season four.
0: So I still got to get on this boat. Get on this. I I have not tried it yet. Yeah,
1: you know I have not steered you wrong yet on, especially not on Apple Plus. That's right. (laughs) Apple TV Plus. I talked to. I had a chance to talk to uh, two of the showrunners and then the folks in charge of costume production design and the NASA coordinator for the show. So this week has already started off to be super busy, but I'm hoping to get a couple things up. Uh, in the next day or so on on for the win uh where you can check out those like some takeaways from that but essentially if you haven't seen the show yet it's basically the premise is like what if um the americans lost the race to the the space race like what kind it turns into like a little bit of an alternate history and so it's saying like okay then the u.s would put a whole bunch more money into space uh, space travel and space exploration and from there it kind of like snowballs and and season kind of starts with a fun montage of like alternate history moments, like such and such happens, So therefore JFK wasn't killed and therefore like, you know, all these different storyline things, it's very fascinating. So it's incredibly well acted. It's a little bit out there sometimes, but um, it's a ton of fun. Highly recommend that comes back Friday. Um,
0: um, the, the, the other thing that I think is, uh, let's say a big franchise IP, whatever you want to call it, that's coming out this month is that Disney has a new animated feature coming out this month mm-hmm. and they need a hit. It's been a bit since Disney had one that went really big for them. Um, but this this is a movie called Wish. It has all of the typical characteristics of a big hit Disney animated movie. It's a musical. Um, it's Chris it's got Chris Pine. It's got Ariana DeBose. It's got people that people seem to like and there's music and songs. So the question is, is this going to be the thing that reverses the trend for Disney because they they've had a hard time and they they've done okay, but they have not had a hit on the level of the Frozen franchise really um you know, outside of uh outside of the very strange exception of um Gosh, I'm forgetting it, Caroline. We don't talk about Bruno. What's the name oh, of the movie? Encanto. <laughs> Encanto is, it was a movie that nobody saw in theaters, and then it became the biggest thing in the world once it got to Disney+. And and I think what Disney is hoping is people are going to finally actually go to the theaters again to see their movies instead of saying, ah, I'll wait and see it on Disney+. Plus."
1: Yeah, and that's going to be the big question. Because if you're already paying for Disney+, Plus, like... As someone who has a an Alamo draft pass and is basically like, any movie I go see is free, which I know is not, like, an actual thing. Like, I'm paying for the draft pass. And then every time I go, I get popcorn and a soda and so whatever. But it's expensive. And that's just me going. <laughs> like, that's not getting the tickets for an adult, two adults, and a kid, three kids, four kids, however many neighborhood kids you're bringing. I don't know how this works. I don't have kids, so I don't know. <laughs> I assume you can't go to the movies without at least three children in tow. Um, but it just, it adds up. And so it kind of is like, why would we spend four hours? hmm let's just say like round
0: well disney oh, sure you're talking about kids, travel getting, time getting yeah in yeah the
1: car, getting in yeah. there getting the That's snacks fine. getting the seats like the whole, the
0: whole i was about thing. to say this is this isn't a scorsese movie <laughs>
1: <Caroline>. <laughs> when you take them to see killers of the flower moon like you know that you're gonna have to make sure that they pay attention the whole time you have to like explain what's happening no, i getting. um but yeah so it's like the whole process of like getting ready to leave the house and getting back and the whole thing it's gonna take you like three three and a half hours or whatever hour. or you just wait a few weeks the kids most of the time don't even know the, movies coming out. (laughs) Like no, no. You know what I mean? Like it's not like the kids sitting there like, hey, we gotta get opening night tickets to go see Wish, you know? Like I don't know why this kid sounds like a
0: nineteen I I think that's a big part of it is that um it's harder to advertise to kids. And look, ultimately that's probably a good thing from an ethical standpoint. (laughs) Like it's a lot harder than it was when we were kids where there's Happy Meal toys and there's That's what I was gonna
2: say.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So many, so many ways to make kids aware and excited about a movie coming out. You can't really reach them that way Do kids anymore. You see
1: commercials anymore.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my my kids don't watch anything where they would see commercials right? for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting. It's um, the other franchise that has a movie coming mm-hmm. out this month, Caroline, is. The Hunger Games, and we talked. We had joked a little bit about on previous episodes, I think, about the fact that nobody seemed aware that this movie was coming out. But they're they're picking it up a little bit. They got the exception from yep. SAG to let them promote the movie. Uh, I've started to see more stuff out of it. They they have a, a tie-in song from Olivia Rodrigo, who's who's your a, girl, a bit my, my my girl, a big big star <laughs> at the moment. But like. What's your, what's your, I mean, were you a fan of the Hunger Games franchise?
1: That's a really interesting question.
0: Um, the first
1: two books, yes. I hated the way this book ended, the third one, the series ended. I read it on a plane and I was like, what was that? Um, so I, I think it was one of those like, th- yes, the first two movies were great. The third movie, like, I don't remember much of it type thing. Um, I don't know how much i've been pulled in to see this i don't know
0: yeah i i also don't feel i don't know if it's the gap of time between the last movie and this one i don't know if it's the fact that the stars from the original were a bigger part of it to me than yeah than i would have imagined but yeah i mean i just it's hard for me to get pumped about this movie um i I don't know i i i'm not feeling the energy for yeah. It right now, but but you know we'll see. I mean, it's definitely an alternative to the other stuff that we said is is yeah, it's coming out. I was like, month. I'll
1: probably go see it because again, draft pass. You know, like
0: yeah, sure. No, that's
1: how the matter you. of like you know what the I'll I'll do that and I'll I'll go see um Napoleon.
0: So Napoleon that, that was a, another couple I just wanted to give quick <laughs> mentions to Napoleon I'm I'm definitely excited about especially God, the, the more Scott
1: was like get a life when people were nitpicking the details about the history Love it that's Love the it.
0: energy I want I know, it's... Uh, from a historical <laughs> biopic and the other one that I'm really excited about is a movie called Saltburn and I don't know that you're as familiar with Emerald Fennel. I don't know that we've no. talked about her on the show before, but she made the movie Promising Young Woman, which is a uh, super, super one. interesting movie. And I'm really excited to see her follow-up movie here, yeah. uh, which stars Barry Keoghan, who's coming right that's off great. of an Oscar nomination. So that one I'm also very pumped for this month. Um, we've got some uh, another movie that's dropping this month that we're about to talk about with our guest, who we will be with shortly. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we're back... We will be with Megan Cruz, our guest. All right. I am so excited about our guest we have on this week. We are joined by a TikTok creator that I've been following really since I since I got on TikTok, since my, my wife bullied me onto TikTok and said, you just need to follow interesting people. And here's one of the first people you need to follow. Her handle is Jay Stoops, and she talks about movies and she's really smart and cool and funny. And she was right. My wife was right, as usual. And uh, her her name is Megan Cruz. Megan, first of all, thank you for coming on the show. We're really excited to have you on.
2: I'm excited to be here. Thank you. That's such a I'm so honored. What an intro.
0: Matt to step mine up each week. I know I got to start hyping <laughs> like Caroline. But yeah, uh, Megan, I mean, you you make You make such interesting movie related content out there. And and so I was really excited to find out that you have a podcast coming up. And that's what made me reach out and say, we got to get Megan on the show. So can you tell us a little bit about your podcast that's coming out?
2: Oh, I'm I'm so I'm like, even just like talking about it. I'm so excited. I I'm very this this is a project that I'm obviously I've, I talk a lot about movies. I've been doing it for a few years now, like mainly on TikTok on the internet. I um, hosted another podcast a few years ago with a friend of mine, um, which was so much fun. Uh, but this podcast, I Um, it's called The Broad Perspective. And I
0: love it. I- love, love the title. <laughs>
2: I was, I was, I, the title was something that I, I workshopped with a few of my friends and like there was this idea that was like, oh, maybe it needs to be like more specific and clear about like in the title, what it is. But I was like, I just, I'm a sucker for like, you know, a double entendre, dual meaning kind of <laughs> wordplay. I was like, I got to do the wrong perspective. And the entire concept is like, um, talking to, I, I don't want to like limit it like to, to who specifically I'm talking, I'm trying to talk to, but, um, just the idea that, if you are have any kind of like marginalized identity in these kinds of spaces, I mean, I specifically uh, talk about the way it pertains to film, but really, um, it's it's in so many so many areas of life um, that it's just a, a smaller kind of representative uh, group of of what is considered. Um, like great, uh, you know. You 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 talk about this idea of exceptionalism and who gets to be exceptional um, and when history is defined by, you know, a certain group of people, kind of, con- you know, maintaining the narrative and like. It's, it's- fine. It's <laughs> fine. You can say white men. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt. You know, I, I, I feel so bad because I feel like I am always picking on white men. No, I, you know- <laughs>
0: look, hey, look, we. I, I am I am here to be the the whipping boy for for the group, but no, like honestly. I I think that's I think that's totally fair. And I would say I hope that Caroline and I have done a pretty good job of bringing on a really diverse group of guests onto the show, because we think that's important, too, that everybody everybody's perspective needs to be heard from.
2: Exactly. And that's really, I just wanted it to be like very fun. I feel like a lot of times this kind of conversation can get like really academic and like heavy, but I just wanted it to be this fun space where women and other marginalized people who, you know, can be considered like trailblazers who whenever they have to do a talk, it's like, oh, well, what's it like for you being in this space? I kind of wanted to have a forum where it could just be a more casual conversation about the kinds of things that, people who come from different backgrounds who might not have been inspired by, you know, Citizen Kane. And, you know, I mean, like, it's, I just, I feel, I feel like Oh my yeah. God, I'm, I'm nailed here. I feel, like, I feel like there's just, you know, like there, one of the great conversations I've already had with a friend of mine was talking about like, you know, how, how revolutionary bring it on felt, you know, and like, you know, films like Legally Blonde and how we define a classic by, millennia of catering to one specific kind of taste. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not really, like, we don't have to, you know, you don't have to, if your favorite movie is, you know, Legally Blonde, I I think that that's absolutely valid. And I think that there are a lot of women and and other people in the industry that uh, maybe have unconventional, I guess, traditionally inspirations and favorites. And I wanted to kind of uh, talk about that and talk about the influences that are cool and fun and not, not of the usual
0: variety. One of the things that we were talking about just before you came on was what an interesting year this has been in terms of how much the, the box office has catered to women. Uh, do you feel like, I mean, am I, are, am I overly reading the surface on like the, the top level, highest grocers of the year? Or do you, do you feel like this has been a year that a different group is being catered to way more than we've seen in the past?
2: You know, it's been interesting because this is something um, that I've talked about a lot is uh, actually, if you look at like box office statistics, women are, are have consistently been such a, a, a present demographic, like, like for such a long time, women specifically have represented at least 50% of the box office. It's been this like, you know, number that people bring up all the time, like, oh, women don't buy movie tickets or whatever. Um, but I really do. I feel like it's, it's less about um, it's less about trying to find an audience. And I think it's more about who's behind the camera. I I talked earlier on in the year about how incredible this film, this year was looking for like female filmmakers who, if not already will probably at some point be categorized as like an auteur. Like one of the first big films of the year, Celine songs, past lives, her first film ever that was, she wrote and directed Um, huge impact. And also like, huge for A 24, like very big box office, uh, despite the fact that their films are usually like less, you know, when you compare them to like blockbusters and things are are less, uh, less numbers. Um, but yeah, it's been, I mean, and obviously you have Greta Gerwig, who's been a a force we reckoned with with Barbie. Um, I I mean there's there's so many. I I've actually already seen Saltburn and
1: Oh man. I oh, gosh, now Matt's gonna just ask you about that. <laughs> it's
2: incredible. <laughs> I listen, I'm already I'm already such a diehard supporter of that film. Um but there's honestly even even smaller films, like I think it was last year, uh was Nikyata Jusu's Nanny, it might have been 2021, um, which was an incredible film from a Senegalese filmmaker. Um, and it's I think it's on Amazon Prime. It didn't get a huge release. But this year there's been similar films, um, like Rylane and uh Thousand and One, who are just they're they're beautiful films. And I feel like women filmmakers are being represented kind of across the spectrum in like smaller indie spaces, huge box office, uh, blowout films. So it has been really like, honestly, my top 10 on Litterbox for the year right now, it's like six, six out of the top 10 are are from women directors, which is incredible to see. It makes me so happy.
1: Well, it feels too like it's been less that it necessarily was catered to women, but more that it feels finally as though things that, women enjoy are less being mocked or it's like less accepting to be mocked of. if that makes any sense where it's like before you know i was one of those people that was like oh yeah i like a little bit of taylor swift stuff or like whatever and now i'm like hell yeah i'm a swifty i want to go see her next year in germany like also oh, like i'm like yeah and so it's finally like why should i have to be ashamed of being excited about something because it's not what's considered like like you said if someone said legally blonde was their favorite movie Ten years, five years ago, two years ago, ten years ago, it would be like okay, like what especially what in fluff, the film space, what mindless yeah. exactly. fluff you you like? When realistically, and Matt and I have had this discussion about like we need to stop get away from the idea that the only films quality, the only films that should qualify for best picture are these heavy, intense three oh God, hour, yes. and those are still good movies. But stop telling me that those are the best movies made all year when there's stuff that's way more. It doesn't have to be fun to be. Like anyway, if something is fun and funny, I think comedies have been forever underrepresented oh, because like, it's considered not high enough of like yeah. you know the the gravitas of the situation. but yeah, thats so I think like people being like, "Screw you, I'm gonna go see Barbie and I'm gonna wear a pink outfit and I'm gonna like <laughs> have fun with it because why shouldn't I has been much more the vibe, and I think that's been shown where yeah, we've always been going to the movies. Like
2: exactly, we
1: don't want you to make more doll movies. We want you to make good movies. <laughs> like, that's that's what we need the takeaway to be.
2: Like, oh my god, yes! Please don't was- make
1: us more Hasbro stuff. Like I'm oh. no offense. Like <laughs> if you can do literally. it well, or make me more Battleship, one or the other. Like you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, got to find a happy. It
0: place. Very- but that's, very mm-hmm. varied taste from Caroline. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, Con Air and Barbie. Well, No, that's exactly right, though. It was really <laughs> it was really worrisome to see them. they like, oh, we're, well, don't worry. We've got the entire Mattel Extended Universe going. Yeah. And people were like, I, no, that's not... Wait till mm-hmm. you
1: see what we do with Play-Doh. You guys are going <laughs> to love it. <laughs> yeah. The,
0: uh, the, the Play-Doh barbershop movie is coming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Megan, we... we ask you, as we do with all of our guests, to pick your topic. We call it Pop Culture Potluck. Um, And you get to pick whatever you want to talk about with us, and we're going to talk about it with you. And you picked a movie that, boy, college-age Matt (laughs) was so excited for this movie. I I was so pumped, and it totally delivered, but I have not watched it since. Um, And you picked Marie Antoinette from Sofia Coppola, who has a new film out Out in some places, not where Carolina live, but you've already seen it, of course. Um, Yes. So, first off, talk to us a little bit about your experience seeing uh, Priscilla, and then we can get into your pick for this week.
2: Uh, Well, I was absolutely thrilled uh, to get to see Priscilla. I actually, it was, I was so honored. I got to attend the, the. I don't. I don't even know if they were calling it a premiere, but it was like a special screening here in LA. You
0: get to do um, all this cool stuff. I always was, see you on TikTok. Like, man, what a life! It
2: That's was. So cool. it, it was. It was such an honor. I've. I've been so um, lucky to get to attend some. Some really cool stuff. But this one, I had. I called uh, my cousin, who uh, she's older than me, and she's always been like a big sister. And she went to film school too. And I was like, I just had to tell her because I remember watching Lost in Translation with her when I was a kid. You know. And I was like, I, I'm going, I'm going to uh, Sofia Coppola premiere. Like, I was like, I was, I was like, I can't believe it. I, it was so, it, it was really surreal. Um, and uh, Jacob Elordi and Kaylee Svenny were both there. And they're, they're so charm. Like, I obviously just like looked at them from afar and was like, yeah. oh my God, you're so beautiful and wonderful. And I'm so like impressed. <laughs> uh, but like and Sofia, the most graceful woman alive, literally. Uh, also Priscilla was there, Priscilla Presley. Um, and she spoke a little bit about what the film meant to her, which was really, really touching to interesting. see. Yeah, she's, it's, her involvement has been really incredible. I, it's, it's interesting the parallels between Priscilla and Marie Antoinette, um, because I think that, you know, they both speak to this women in the public eye, and even when there are, Obviously, like we'll get into it with Marie Antoinette, but obviously, valid criticisms of these women. It's like, um, it's just, it's a, it's a magnifying glass that, regardless of how good you are or attempt to be, or how how much control you actually have, that is, just, it's 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 a it's hor it's horrible. Let's let's just be honest. Sure. Um, but yeah, with with Priscilla, it was it, it was incredible to see it in that kind of environment. Uh, but the film itself, it's. I mean, I, I've been a Sofia Coppola fan for such a long time, and I think that her her style has this unapologetic femininity to it. It's it's almost like abrasive and rock and roll in how much she refuses to conform to what we were talking about earlier. This idea of like what what makes a quality film, which is you know, it's mainly been built on war movies and uh, this idea <laughs> this idea of like this very serious masculine hero's yeah. journey. Um, And I I think that it's uh, Priscilla felt even quieter than her other work. It it felt it had this reserved um, kind of restraint to it, um, which I think really spoke to the loneliness and the isolation and the lack of control that Priscilla had as as a person. Um, And also, again, I've I've talked about this a little bit. Um, I've talked about it a lot (laughs) on the internet, Uh, but this idea that uh, womanhood and, and femininity, uh, being defined in terms of strength by by men for a long time has, I think that's been a disconnect for a lot of female audiences, this idea of a strong female character that is essentially a lot of masculine traits in a very pretty package. And for a lot of women and um, femme presenting people, the idea of strength is... Is different. It's it can look very different. It it isn't necessarily going to read a strength to to uh, to men who maybe are unfamiliar. Um, and Priscilla definitely had that. I mean, it's this kind of when you when you're put in this gilded cage in this isolation um, that's kind of based on this idea of of you as a an object is an ideal instead of a person. Um, it, can, it can it can come with a lot of benefits, but it's also incredibly lonely and it requires kind of you to turn yourself into an object. It kind of requires you to strip yourself of your humanity in a way. And I think that finding your way back to that humanity can look very unconventional, very beautiful. And I think that what Sophia was able to do there um, obviously based on um, her uh, Priscilla's memoir, Elvis and me, um, was wonderful, absolutely wonderful.
1: How was uh Jacob's accent? I have to ask.
2: <laughs> it was incredible. Listen, every I
1: if I've seen I said this right before we started, every single every single tidbit I've gotten of information about this movie that's come out has made me want to see it more like 100% of the time and that's very unusual sometimes you're like oh that was a weird clip or that trailer was a every single thing the Lilo and Stitch Elvis being his like only real introduction to Elvis or like, he's like yeah I remember that guy they did like that Lilo and Stitch thing. <laughs> or like him talking about the bacon or like whatever the clip I saw of him talking to her I think he was getting on a tour bus I don't know the actual but oh, yeah. like you know he says goodbye to her and I was like that accent is so and I I truly, I did not love Elvis. I loved Austin Butler's performance in it. I thought he was fantastic. But that man secluded himself for like three well, years. And it's very still funny. talking like that. Well, and Megan, bless his heart. I love Megan
0: him. was calling, was just talking about how quiet and reserved Priscilla is as a movie. Like that, you could not be more opposite of that.
2: <laughs> like a boss Lerman. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I've got a lot of love in my heart for Baz Lerman. I love I love that he is a maximalist <laughs> through and through, but I I I've got I've got nothing in my in my heart and soul for Elvis. I that movie weird with love movie. and light, not for me. I, not I forever, for me. why I wasn't I forever, there for Elvis music? <laughs> I just or I mean, I just honestly, I, I love it when a movie gets weird. It, it just that one it um, was
0: a movie about
1: Tom Hanks' character. Yeah, Was <laughs> it wasn't what a, about? Elvis. What a
0: strange experience. I have a whole. i um, about that. But. So, <laughs> Megan the the one of the one of the tropes of our show is that when Caroline is watching the movie that we're talking about this week, she live texts me the entire <laughs> time. So I have to see it before she but does, you, or else.
1: If you if you receive but, me live. Texting you something—it's like the true mark of friendship. Like sure. that's Which I look—I am. I trust I am, you, and I was honored you seventeen in a row. Right. Without you asking for any of this, sure. <laughs> I'll be like, I'm and gonna I enjoy these at some point. I
0: I, tre- I treasure your friendship and your texts, Caroline. But but what she what what was funny to me about—I mean—knowing that this was her first experience watching this movie and any Sofia Coppola movie, um, one of the things that Caroline said to me was you know, it's really strange because this movie's so compelling, but not really anything is happening yeah. like in terms of big events or plot, um, which certainly I, something I was thinking about when you were saying the sort of quiet reserved style of Sophia Coppola. But I think I, I, I want to start off our discussion of Marie Antoinette by talking about how strange it is that Sophia Coppola made a movie about this Really bombastic historical figure that happens entirely inside this little bubble where she's totally unaware, and we as the audience are mostly unaware of all of the incredibly dangerous things that are happening around her.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's there's there's a lot of contradictions around the making of Marie Antoinette. I think it's it fascinates me. The choices that Sofia Coppola has made as an artist have always fascinated me, and the circumstances around the way Marie Antoinette got made is is just so, I mean like the government of France allowed her to shoot in Versailles, which, which first of all, completely unprecedented. And also you look at the way the film was received, particularly in France and it's it's just shocking to me mm-hmm. that that was ever allowed in the first place. You know, um, they're so they were so
0: mad that people were speaking English in this movie. Oh,
2: furious yeah. with American accents. Yes, and I mean it's <laughs> it's really interesting too because like I look at every element. I look at even like the casting of Kirsten Dunst, who obviously has had been a close friend of of Sofia Coppola for such a long time. But Kirsten Dunst has talked a lot in her career, like last year with the Power of the Dog, um, talked a lot about like feeling. Uh, kind of boxed out from the prestigious side of Hollywood. She uh, she was uh, an indie darling for a long time, worked with mm-hmm. some incredible directors, but she also was in the Spider-Man movies. You know, she had this rep- reputation of being like this it girl, this fashion girl, this girl who's in, bring it on to a lot of mainstream movie people. Like it, again, bringing it back to like, what, what makes the idea of like good or respectable art. Yep. For a lot of people, Kirsten Dunst was not a qualifier for that. And so just from the jump, you know, Sofia Coppola's decision to cast this American Valley girl, it girl, little blondie as Marie Antoinette and say, talk in your your American accent. You know, let's let's completely highlight how anachronistic it is for you to be here in this space because that is reflective of Marie Antoinette's experience in a lot of ways. Um, But because she's such a polarizing and still kind of widely hated figure in France, any sympathy at all, any historical inaccuracies, inaccuracies at all, regardless of the fact that they were very intentional, um, was just so controversial. And I, it's wild to me to look back now because I, I watched the film again last night. Um, I've seen it so many times. And it's just, I st- every single time it shocks me that people didn't see it for the revolutionary, like wildly cool, rock and roll, insightful, um, artistic, piece of filmmaking that it is because it's just, it's, I, I, I get shocked every time it shocks me every single time. This is
1: far and away. And I didn't see power of the dog. I will fully admit that too, but <laughs> this is far and away. My favorite I've ever seen Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Like I thought she was incredible. She's so alluring and intriguing. And even just the way she's delivering she, the, the work she does with just the looks. Yeah especially like when they're sitting at the table together or and they're like so you like to make keys huh so you make <laughs> yeah. keys and he's like I do and she's like "Do so you like that it's, well, it's like also, every it's so date you've ever been on you know you're just that's, like man. that's another so thing you I love like about that? it
2: and one thing I've always loved about Sofia Coppola is I think that she has this really killer sense of humor that's in yeah. a lot of her work and I feel like so many people don't understand that she's intentionally joking like I mean like that the breakfast scene in Marie Antoinette is so absurd and it's, it's like, honestly, it kind of, it feels to me very similar to like that Wes Anderson, very cold. uh, Jason
0: Schwartzman being there also helps. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's like this, this, this cold removed kind of, kind of uh, dry humor, which I think it just works so well.
0: Absurdity is definitely all over the movie. And uh, there's one scene that sticks out to me where there, she's getting dressed in the morning and, basically there's all these rules about who's allowed to dress her. So like every time a new person walks into the room, the the ranking has to be assessed of who gets to put her shirt on. Yeah. Yeah. Just like absolutely. I mean, the the only thing that, that I can, that I can sort of compare it to is having gotten married, uh, you know, like 17 years ago that of, of just like, why are we doing it this way? And they're like, well, this is just how it works. This is what you what you have to do.
2: <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And that, that kind of, the absurdity of, I mean, cause that's the other thing you talk about Kirsten, Kirsten's performance. I mean, she, she plays this character from age 14 to like age 30, you know? Mm-hmm. And it is, she does, she does carry herself so differently as she ages throughout the movie, which is so impressive, but it is this kind of like, it's very, it is very, uh, what what I love so much, I'm going to get to the point I'm actually trying to make while I make this point because I tend to go off on tangents. But what, what I love about it is never happens
0: on this show. The,
1: no, <laughs> we're always very concise.
2: <laughs> the the very intentional anachronistic elements, like the soundtrack, which yes. right uh, off the bat, starting okay. off, so rock and roll. I know uh, the soundtrack is so iconic. Okay. So um, but focusing having uh Kirsten just be herself, be this this girl um that is very relatable. I mean, there were I remember at the time a lot of the reviews compared like derogatorily uh, her performance to like, oh, well, Marie Antoinette might as well be Paris Hilton. It was very much meant to be like a dig. Um, and ironic think,
0: because because Sophia would later make a very, very Paris Hilton-y movie.
2: Ex- exactly. Which, which I, I told go. Caroline,
0: you've got to go see Bling Ring after you yes. watch this movie. But I, yes, just, I just rewatched no. Bling
2: Ring too. It's also fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and I think her relationship with fame and privilege and, um, the public eye it has been a recurring theme of her work that that it, she does really well. she has such a delicate approach to it and I what I love so much about Marie Antoinette is again it's I don't think it's necessarily trying to make make apologies for this character. People were very upset about how sympathetic it was to her as a as a character and while I do think that you know as a historical figure she has been, as much maligned as she has been like falsely revered um because you know history is up to the interpretation that's that's neither here nor there i think what's fascinating about this specific interpretation um sophia's vision is that it's using these anachronistic elements is so humanizing i think we have such a tendency to look back on history as this un you know it feels intangible it feels unreal in so many ways. These people don't seem like us, they feel so far removed, especially horrible things that look back in, that happen in history. I feel like it's so easy for people to look back and be like, oh those people's, those people were monsters. Like how could they think that way? It was so barbaric, it was a different time. And I, I think remembering that people are people is like a very important part of art. It, it's a very important part of filmmaking and, and telling stories because when you, when you, regardless of how horrible a person is and I think Marie Antoinette's level of depravity or irresponsibility or malice is debatable but any figure honestly that you want to reduce and say well they're just a monster they're inhuman is like fun doing a fundamental disservice to humanity as a whole because we have to kind of regardless of, of how horrific it is we have to remember that these are people and they do have human motivations and I think that specifically using anachronistic elements is such a brilliant way to get people to remember that, you know, yes, she, she did do some not great things. She was part of a system that was horrible. Um, but at the end of the day, she also was, was a person. She was a, you know, kid. I, Sophia made a great comment, uh, at one point about the film where she said that one of the things that fascinated her was that both Marie and Louis were like 18 and 20 respectively when, uh, his father died and they became, you know, the King and Queen of France. And that's, the idea that these were essentially teenagers running around this huge palace and being given, you know, the keys, the free reign, it's like, yeah, they made a lot of mistakes. I, I can't imagine doing particularly well in that situation myself. No, not to make excuses for them, but well, you know,
1: like, you <laughs> I can even I, call your mom. So that's yeah, I, that's right. Yeah, you well, write but, a letter and hope she gets back to you within a fortnight. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're having
2: the cholera. You
0: know, <laughs> I think it's particularly you know like I, I, I mentioned, I hadn't really seen this movie since since I was you know in college, which I I would have been basically around the age of these people, but they also these characters also have some other experiences in the movie that I wouldn't have been able to appreciate and relate to at a younger age. And watching it now really, really jumps out at me of not just uh, that, that it actually is still, you can see the attraction of that debauchery as an adult, but the other parts of it, to me, the really humanizing parts, I think are often watching it this time about her her status as a a a mother and as a wife who are, which both of both in in both cases, she has to deal with a lot of bad stuff that I think probably at the time, I'm sure was easier to write off because it happened all the time, but she loses a child at one point, um, which is, which is brutal to think about. Um, And she also gets as much as she's in this palace with all this stuff that is, you know, gotten at the expense of hardworking, normal people, she also is just a mom who probably really loved her, her kids. I mean, that, that scene that jumps out at me, that really got me this time, um, is after she has her first child who is a daughter. And of course, they're all waiting on her to have a prince so that the, the line worst. can continue. <laughs> and the, the little scene that she has with her daughter where she gets in her face and says, you are not what everyone wanted. Uh, but you are, but you are still loved by me. Something, something along those lines, like, man, what a, what a cool, extremely human moment where she's really recognizing, like, even though she's very much caught up in this system and she doesn't really have a lot of agency, she's looking at this moment and her own daughter and seeing herself and seeing like, they don't want us here. Like we're, we're just, we're just a tool for them to do the stuff they already want to do anyway.
2: Exactly. Well, and that's, that's what I find so fascinating about the film is that like Marie Antoinette as a historical figure is is full of contradictions like most people you know I think that m- multiple things can be true at once she can have been uh, a very active participant in a, in a horrible system of oppression that's absolutely true but she also was a young girl who was very lonely, who was forced to live this very sterile and rigid lifestyle um, from a young age being put in a position where not only was she not raised in that environment, but she was was the target of a ton of ire. There's a lot of historical elements like the fact that Louis did not take a formal mistress, you know, things like that, where ordinarily that would be something that would at least shift the focus off of her, Hmm. but she was being an Austrian, being an outsider, being like very unconventional, even in terms of the monarchy. Uh, previously, she had a target on her back the entire time, and I mean, still to this day, there are people who think that it was her spending, you know, that contributed and you know resulted in the in the fall of the aristocracy. When in, in fact, I mean, she she was conservative politically, and she she probably you know didn't have very you know great ideas about what to, to do. But also, she wasn't educated exactly to be so. I mean, I'm not I'm not, I'm not a historian, but frankly. <laughs> it's just really interesting because there, there's there's so much that, that works in tandem in the film. You know, you're seeing this idea that yes, she is frivolous and silly and de- destructive, self-destructive, and doesn't play by the rules and doesn't do what she should be doing, but she also is getting an absurd amount of criticism and, and hyper-focus in a way that even if she had done everything right, you know, would still would still have been there. She She's a very you know, villainous figure in history now, especially in France, uh, because of these ideas that there's plenty of valid things to criticize her for. But I find it interesting that there a lot of the the criticism that remains. I mean, like you look at her trial, for example, where she was, you know, one of the reasons why she was executed is because they trumped up charges that she was sexually abusing her children. You know, I mean, like it's they, they really they. It's it's a case of you you had a solid argument. Why are you just making shit up about this woman? You know, like it's just you know, like I just it's so it's interesting. I think it's yeah. I think it's really interesting to see it through that human lens, knowing that multiple things can be true at once. And I think that Sophia is such a nuanced filmmaker with a very unique voice that it works so well in this case. I,
0: I do want to bring attention to one more thing before we before we wrap up, which is that the color palette is another thing Love that. It. Caroline and I commented on oh, love it. and I was, Thank I you. actually got this movie from the library on deep on old school DVD Dork. to watch it for this. And the, <laughs> this the, is what also he's but, yesterday he had like, a by the
1: way it's on the CW
0: app. I went to the library, <laughs> <laughs> wow, but, they, <laughs> but they have a behind the scenes feature on the DVD and Sophia Coppola talks about that. She got the color palette from this movie from a, from a, um, a plate of macarons, the little, the little cookies that they're eating in the movie. Yeah. I I loved I loved that little detail because it really is like, it's not, it doesn't look like when I, when I see paintings from this era or like when you see art of all of those like dark blue colors and all that, that really bold Renaissance stuff you think about this movie is, is very, uh, I don't know if muted is the right word, but like, it's very sort of toned down in a way that's sort of, I don't know. There's something surprising about looking at every single frame, especially especially when the camera's not moving. It feels very painterly.
2: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, her, her, aesthetic, <laughs> her aesthetic has always been so beautiful. I think she established this kind of dreamy and pastel like um, aesthetic in The Virgin Suicides, her her debut film. And you see it in Lost in Translation too, especially in depictions of Tokyo, which is obviously like a lot of vibrant neon lights, but it's almost like shot through, you know, this kind of like misty filter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think Marie Antoinette is interesting because, you know, so much of the sets are real, you know, they were able to shoot in Versailles and, you know, they, they built this color palette that is so again, just feminine, like pop, hyper pop. Um, and I mean, you you have little Easter eggs like the Converse in the in the shoe shot um, that are reflections on, on modern life, which is so cool. Uh, but yeah, I think I think that, you know, that's one of the things that I love so much about Sophia's work um, is that she consistently and intentionally injects this just down to the very uh, foundation of the aesthetic. It's the it's this it's this soft femininity that kind of contrasts any kind of ugliness. Um, and I think some people view that as like again, like you know, you know, washing away any of any of the any accountability. I think that she actually has a very um, kind of uh, removed viewpoint on her subjects. I think that she is very subjective, uh, or objective. I mean, I should say in terms of like presenting her subjects uh, to the viewer to kind of make up their own mind. But I do think that um, the aesthetic is is very intentional and. In this case, just so beautiful and cool. Amazing. It's gorgeous.
0: Um, Well, Megan, thank you so much for choosing this movie and giving me a reason to watch it again. Yes. Um, we, of course, because your podcast, The Broad Perspective, is coming out and, and is, as we've discussed, highlights women in film. And we've got a movie that obviously is very female forward. I thought that for our trivia segment this week, I would focus on women, but sp- Particularly, I, I had to add an element of challenge to it. So this this game show segment this week is focused entirely on stars, female stars from north of the border in Canada. Okay. So oh, we've got three questions for each of you. Oh uh, Megan is going to go first. Before we start, I do like to kick off our game show segments with a little jingle that I prepare every week. Uh, Chandler, would you like to play that? A lot of actors up north of you There's probably a hundred men for every million moves I bless the stars up in Canada I'm Gonna ask some questions about which actors are from Paris.
2: Well, every time,
0: no, it's not. He, <laughs> every time. he writes a, a new one. every week.
2: That's <laughs> that's very it's talent. I that's amazing.
1: it's incredible. Uh, <laughs> My favorite thing, I'm just gonna, it, the quality, like the production quality, has improved like every like, <laughs> week. It's so fun. That, that like, was layering things and like gets that was to do like backups. Like it's that incredible. was about
0: seven uh, vocal layers. So <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I wasted a good hour on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> worth it.
0: Um <laughs> so all right, so I've got I've got three questions for you. We'll alternate back and forth. Megan, you are first. Okay. And what I'm going to need you to do, I'm going to give you a description and I want you to tell me this Canadian actress. Okay. This actress got her big break in a Canadian television series called Slings and Arrows in which she played an actress performing in a Shakespeare
2: play. Um I don't. I don't. I've never heard of slings and arrows. Oh Should I? I mean, do I pa- do I pass to the next? Discur- I, I'm going to
0: guess that Caroline doesn't know this one either. Well, I, I, this one either.
2: <laughs> I mean, I can throw out a Canadian actress. Throw one out. Yes. Guess. Um, Rachel McAdams. She got it. It's Rachel McAdams. I, mean- <laughs> I do love
0: her Amazing.
1: Work. A Hail incredible. Mary. Fight. I'm in trouble. I didn't know she was Canadian. Oh, Amazing.
0: God. All right, Caroline. Cool. What, a, boy, that, what, what, cool. a, what a... What an absolute heartbreaker that she didn't yeah, know. Yeah, I'm going to get blanked. <laughs> All right. This Canadian actress who has appeared in the MCU goes okay. by a nickname, but her real first name is Jacoba. Jacoba. She's been in the MCU. Oh, buddy. Um... Oh, no. You're going uh, to you're gonna have to pull a Megan here and just take I a know. shot. Um,
1: oh, my God. Why can I not remember anyone's name? That's a very
0: French sounding name, I guess. It is French Jacoba. Yeah. There,
2: are, there are. Jacoba. There maybe, are Canadian actors in the MCU who do have French sounding names. Mm-hmm.
1: Man, this is so embarrassing. I'm blanking so hard.
2: I <laughs> like, mean, this is a um, deep cut. I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I okay. just... Well, Megan, I'm famous for making
0: these either way too hard or way too easy. so
1: <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Scarlett Johansson.
0: It is not Scarlett Johansson. It is your girl, Kobe Smulders. <laughs>
1: God dang it. Oh. I thought Robin. you would have known that one, Caroline. I should have. I Did thought I was making that? it
0: too easy on you. Well,
1: all right. I'm not even kidding. I was like, oh, Maria Hill. But then I was struck. Anyway. She just had me. him.
0: All right. It. Megan with a big one oh.
1: Commanding in this one. Round.
0: <laughs> all right. This Canadian horror icon, Megan, got Ooh. her start acting in the Nickelodeon series, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Which it turns out filmed in Canada.
2: No. I can't, I can't miss the horror question. I'm trying to think of who I know, what, what what horror actresses I know are Canadian. They're all coming. I'm only getting coming up Australians right now. Um,
0: Everything's coming up Australians. (laughs) By by the way, Megan did a great video uh, on TikTok recently about Australian horror films from which I got a recommendation that I watched and really liked called uh, Lake... Mungo. That's what oh, it was Lake, called,
2: right? Yes. Like Mungo's yes. so good.
0: Give it, I'm just I'm just throwing that shout out out there <laughs> while you think about it.
2: Um I afraid of the dark. I don't When did are you afraid of the Are we talking about the 90s Are you? You're talking the about
0: the original 90s, early 90s, mid 90s. Are you afraid of the dark?
2: Okay. Um I am, I guess I, cause I don't, I don't know it, but I'm, try, I'm just at least trying to figure out timeline. Cause I think Mike mm-hmm. Monroe might be Canadian, but she's too young for that. Um, I'm going to guess. What's her name um, <laughs> from, uh, from, damn it. This, this horror movie that, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, I don't know if I'm going to be able to guess because I'm blanking on names. Amy something is the woman I'm thinking about, I, I will look
0: I'll, I'm going to throw you one quick hint. It's okay. a it's a big star and It's a big star from a big horror movie. Big horror movie. This is this is definitely not a not a uh, underground hit. This
2: was a huge huge movie. Uh no. Naomi Watts is also Australian. Fuck. Sorry, I don't know. i do not even know if I'm
0: allowed to curse. I'm so
2: sorry. Mark that one. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll
0: put an audible bleep over it. All right, are we? Are we I don't know. It? I don't
2: think I can. I don't know. I feel. So I'm ashamed. afraid
0: it was Nev Campbell from Scream. Nev,
2: Nev, that makes so I much al-
0: sense. I almost wrote this question calling her a Scream queen instead of a <gasps> horror icon, but I didn't want to make it too easy. All right. Caroline, this is your big opportunity to to get
1: back in this. (laughs)
0: Another MCU star once, once turned down an offer to star in the X-Men franchise because she quote, wasn't into superhero movies.
1: I'm like tempted to go Scarlett Johansson again. (laughs) Wait, that wasn't my answer. I said, I'm tempted to.
2: I don't think she's Canadian though. Yeah, Don't don't make it easier for her, Megan.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> um X-Men like back in the
0: I mean you could say back in the they were making those movies for like 20 years
1: right that's what I'm saying
0: because I'm uh we block out the later ones for good reason but
2: rightfully so
1: um I'm just trying to figure out age here like because you know uh okay
0: Let's... I'm shrugging I'm not I'm not I'm giving her nothing <laughs> This is too important of a question with score. The
2: score is this is. Yeah, the score is,
1: is. Oh, she has an accent It can't be Florence Pugh. She's not Canadian.
0: It is not Florence Pugh. Wait, I <laughs> oh. took that as a guess. I'm sorry.
1: No, that was the talking out loud. <laughs> oh, OK, because she has what she's. Is she Australian? No,
0: she's she British. has an
1: accent, though, doesn't she? She's British. OK, that's what I thought.
0: I'm not I'm not answering. <laughs>
1: Um, there are
0: you clearly. Be... You clearly don't watch Florence Pugh's cooking segments on Instagram like I do.
1: <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. I was like, she has an accent. She's not Canadian.
2: She does do a great um, American accent. Though, okay.
0: So yeah, she does. Yeah. She does a totally unrealistic but delightful Russian accent. <laughs> love <laughs> yeah. it. I
2: love like. Okay, I'm
1: just gonna guess uh,
0: Brie Larson. It is not Brie Larson. It is Evangeline Lilly.
2: That's the other Canadian I had in my back pocket. Yeah. Ext-
0: really, I would say can't can't hide the canadian accent quite as well as some of her fellow canadians. All uh, right. You can put we it are, away here. We are tied, right? No. <laughs> I haven't made any. Megan point. is up 1 <laughs> 1 to 0 after two rounds. But
1: I appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Answers.
0: <laughs> All right. Big big final round here. All right, Megan. You okay. can put this away. All right. This actress whose real name is Brienne Saulnier, holds dual citizenship in America and Canada.
2: Brianne de Solier, is she royalty? My god.
1: Brienne of Tarth.
2: I mean, yeah, that's that is such a regal a name.
1: George R.R. Martin name right there.
2: Like the, I like I was trying to think of Canadian actresses before this started and like I was like, okay, Pamela Anderson. I'm I'm 100% sure the answer is not Pamela Anderson. That would be
0: that would be amazing if her real name was Brienne Desolnay. I mean, that would be I incredible. That was on the like credits for Baywatch. Sorry. <laughs> right. Very different universe. Yeah. yeah.
2: Um so I'm just going to I mean, it sounds like maybe she's French Canadian, but I'm trying to uh, trying to think of any French. She is. She
0: is of French Canadian descent. I will okay, give she's, you that. Yeah.
1: Why can I name like a thousand male Canadian actors? And like that's Canadian
0: why. Readers. Hey, look. To be, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be real honest with you for a second. I was. I was putting this segment together. There, when you Google Canadian actors, it's ah. just a long list of extremely famous men, and so oh. I had to dig around a little bit to find out women that's from hard. Canada.
2: Um yeah, because I don't even I don't even know. Again, now now I'm just like thinking of actual French women. And this is actually very embarrassing for me because I did live in Canada for a couple of years. But Oh wow. Don't tell I did not even know this. Don't tell don't tell them that I did so badly. Look, um I don't I don't know. I don't know if I have you know a French Canadian actress in my back pocket.
1: Don't worry, I'm not gonna get whatever my last question is. <laughs>
2: Once again, I've
0: gone too hard in the Got trivia contest.
1: T- <laughs> All right, Go back to the X Files questions. The answer,
0: the answer to this one is Brie Larson.
1: That is Brie oh. Larson's real name.
0: <laughs> no way, Brie Anne Desaulniers. She's actually Canadian. I was in the right country. Oh she is. God. She was. She was born in America, but her parents are Canadian, and she is a dual citizen of the United States and Canada.
2: Man, good for her. She actually grew
0: up speaking French before she spoke English. Fun fact. I know, um, I've never heard her speak
2: French. I gotta look that up after this.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Caroline, big moment here. You can save face. <laughs> There's no way she's gonna get it. Uh, <laughs> born, Give me some context clues. <laughs> born in Canada but raised in New Zealand. This actress won an Oscar at age 11, making her the second youngest Oscar winner in history.
1: At age 11.
0: Age 11. Oh, crap. Um, I feel like I feel like maybe Megan knows it, and I yeah, might give, I it. might give her a chance to steal. <laughs> know if you team. don't get just it. really
1: rub in the victory. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, age eleven. I'm trying to think of. I'm thinking like Little Miss Sunshine. No.
0: Uh, I, I I need it noted that I am making no facial expressions <laughs> I am drying um, I'm using all of my acting ability uh, in which oh, I do um, not emote whatsoever uh,
1: it's not oh
0: my god what is her mm, name
1: I it's not Saoirse Ronan Sher- is it
0: is that your guess
1: that's my guess it is
0: not Saoirse Ronan I'm so sorry
1: I didn't know how old she was alright atonement. Megan wins
0: anyway, but would you like to steal, Megan? It's Anna Paquin.
1: It is Anna Paquin. Oh, that's it. right. She yeah. is Canadian. No, Wait, what was the movie?
0: Oh, Interview with Vampire? Called, no, it, it she was the, for a movie called The Piano.
2: The Piano by Jane Campion. Yes, by a famous female, a female director. Female? Yeah. Love, and Jane love, Campion love, might also be Canadian. Is she Canadian? I think she's a New Zealander. Actually, so, actually you're right. She is. Yeah, like The Vampire was cursed and danced.
1: So what am I doing? Idiot.
2: All right, well, well this is, I, woman is Irish, but you know what? I think that this is a testament to what great accent work these, these actors <laughs> have said. Right. <laughs>
1: Thank you for saving. Thank you. been real tough. I, I'm gonna go back and blame all of this on my allergies, so <laughs>
2: Well, That's valid. You know yeah, what? You know, Zertech is really
0: a the foggy. It's a real win,
1: foggy up here today.
0: A win over Caroline is a rare feat That's in true. these games. It's only like the third loss. Uh, getting, any right, getting any of these right, getting any of these right. These are all hard. Very, these were very impressive <laughs> because I'm not good at making game shows, but I keep doing it every week anyway.
1: <laughs> but listen, really, the weeks that I win, I really enjoy your
0: work those weeks.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> listen, uh, it has been so fun having you on Megan and and I just want to say one more time everybody so when when can people find your podcast when is it going to be out there publishing
2: Good question um it is we are launching on um, November 29th Wednesday November 29th I'm going to just double check my calendar because awesome. I was like don't don't well, say we, the wrong day it's the 29th. We will
0: we will put we will push it out to everyone and remind everyone yeah. once it comes out but in the meantime you can go and follow her on all of the I'm sure it's slightly different, but in general, if you go out there and look for J Tubes, S T O O B S, you're going to find her on all the various social media platforms, such good content, such good, thoughtful stuff about movies. And I'm so glad we got to have extended version of you doing that today on the show with us, Megan. Thank Thank
2: you. you. I had the best time. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, good.
0: Well, uh, listen, we will be back again next week. As always, in the meantime, please go and rate our show on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, on everywhere that you do that. Uh, And otherwise we will see you guys next week here at for the water cooler.